Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And as you know, this month we are talking about the magic of marketing, which we know is maybe not magic at all. It's really just about doing the hard work of making marketing work for you. And my guest today is going to have an amazing different perspective than a lot of our guests we've had on this month. But um, I know that we're going to gain a lot of it a lot from him. Ari Brish is a cross-functional expert in growth strategies, commercializing innovation, change leadership, and turnarounds. He's also the best-selling author of this book. Wait until you hear this name because I love it. Lay an egg and make chicken soup. <laughs> and he often speaks about the book, which I know we're going to ask about uh, throughout the, uh, the episode today. He also brings a lot of great practices from projects in a lot of different industries across many, many disciplines. But here's just a couple of his, uh, you know, things that he's really done that stand out. He scaled business unit revenue from a $288 million organization, taking it to $710 million in four years, and also taking their market share from number four to number one. He's also executed multiple turnarounds, led a major profit improvement project of a $200 million business unit that achieved 24% gross margin improvement in two years. And boy, we know that that makes a significant difference to the bottom and the top line. And he's also led quality improvement efforts that resulted in a 90% failures reduction. And boy, can that make a business stronger all the time. His The rest of his uh, his attributes are way too many to, to, uh, to list. And as he said, when we were talking before we hit go is that he, you know, maybe he sounds wonderful, but maybe he's just really good writing his bio, but I think he really has a lot to bring to the table. So I can't wait to pick his brain. Ari, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Michael. And I love seeing your book behind you. So we'll yeah. make sure to talk about that as well. But tell us a little bit. I had just a couple of the, the highlights from your bio, which is really incredibly impressive, but Tell us in your words a little bit about you, your business, and how you help people to shock their potential. Okay, thanks for having me, Michael, again. Uh, and you're the first one that noticed that I have my book <laughs> behind. I just recently uh, read an article about the COVID and the Zoom situation in recent months. And, and the article was about how to set up your background to deliver a message. And yes it occurred to me I should put my book in the background. Yeah, I have um, both of my books in the background. <laughs> yeah, right. The, 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 the whole article was about that. So I put my book in the background. It was very tricky to balance it so it doesn't fall. So I'll try not to breathe too hard or not to cough. Otherwise, it will flip back. <laughs> Afterward, I'll give you some, trip, some tips yeah. on how to do that. Well, I was I, back in the days, there was like book holders, if you remember, in yes. the old libraries. Yes, I, I was looking for one at home, but it's probably stuck somewhere too deep in the garage or something. 
I have behind my two, I have uh, glasses, like water glasses filled with like rocks and things so that they won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So where were we? Okay, so I I grew up in Israel, went to school in Israel, started my career working for uh, American technology companies, and, and that was back in 1975 or so. And... Back then, uh, uh, the world was not so global. So the thing to to do once you graduate, uh, my my degree was in electrical engineering in Israel. Once you graduate, you 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 go to work for one of the electronic or electrical local companies. Most of them were government owned at the time, so it was stable job, mm. lifetime career, good pension, da da da. <laughs> and, 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 and then a Silicon Valley company called National Semiconductor decided to open an R&D center in, in Israel. You're nodding your head. They were acquired by Texas Instrument Field. Right. So they decided to open an R&D center in Israel. And out of adventurous, I would say, I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll interview for the job because it was so different, so unusual back in the days. Now all the American companies, everybody from Facebook to Microsoft, Apple, IBM, everybody has major presence in Israel. Back then it was, National was the second one. Intel were the first one. So I said, okay, that sounds like something refreshing, unusual. Let's give it a shot. And people thought I'm crazy and these Americans will fire you you know, after two years and da da da, don't take risks. And I decided to take the risk just because of curiosity, I would say. Yes. Also, they, they paid much better than the local companies. So that was another small motivation. <laughs> you couldn't argue with that. And, and basically, the rest is history. So I, my, most of my career was in a semiconductor uh, industry. Uh, different types of jobs and different once you you you, you break it down to sub segment and sub technologies there are so many opportunities to move around uh, so again out of curiosity and trying to enrich you know my career with different type of jobs i moved around every few years uh, some of these uh, new assignments sent me to the us so i had one expat assignment with National for two years. Then uh, Motorola decided to open an R&D center in Israel. They hired me from the Silicon Valley, moved me back to Israel. <laughs> we, we started the R&D center there. During that few years, I finished my MBA. And, and then they moved me back to the US to you know, practice my MBA, that's how Actually, I initiated the move. I said, I finished my MBA. This is only technology center. Let me practice my MBA. So they said, fine, come to Austin, Texas, and we'll give you three. It was supposed to be three years assignment back in 1988. I'm still here in Austin. So that worked very well. So since your theme is marketing, well, one of the things we did back then very good is, is people today perceive marketing as 
search engine optimization and mm -hmm. uh, lead management and things like that. But really, if you think about it, the marketing starts when you define what business or what product you're going to go into. Mm -hmm. Because the product is the exchange point between the supplier and the customer. The supplier give you a product, you pay back the supplier. So that's kind of the borderline between all the logistics that makes the product and the customer that needs it. So this is kind of the exchange point. Yes, uh, and that it really truly is because if you if you're really thinking about either the business or your product or you know both you have to think about the customer and therefore that is the beginning of of true marketing yes exactly and 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 in some startup especially in israel going back to israel the mentality is let's first design the best product that the world in the world and then we'll worry about how to it will be so good that <laughs> people will buy it just because it's so good mm -hmm. so I, I was a ceo at the time of uh, i mean many years later fast forward i was ceo of a technology company based in israel and you know the, the first thing i wanted to hire the first person not the first person they, they had a small team of five you know technology people I said, where's the marketing person? Okay, no marketing. We don't have a product. We don't need a marketing. I said, no, you need a marketing from day one. So, you know, argue with the board of directors here and there. And, and finally, they did me a favor, allowed me to hire a marketing consultant on a part-time basis. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of allowed to, to drive the company forward and, and get all the customer engagements that, you should have before you start the product right is is listen to the customer that's like product planning 101 listen to your customer before you start yeah. uh, uh, so <laughs> you know that's what we did so in the book by the way if you don't see it come back this is a close-up i love it so uh the the unique thing about the book it covers so first about the name in business, you, you always, when you start a business, there is a chicken and an egg dilemma. Okay, right. I want to start a business, kind of feel right, but uh, I need to do some market research. So should I spend $100,000 on market research? Uh, that's a lot of money to spend if you're not sure. So that's kind of a catch 22. Right. But you have to do it. It's like, you know, I, I'm based in Texas now, oil, oil, oil uh, exploration. You, you don't just drill in the ground. You, you do some research in the location, spend uh, a little money to, to get some, the probability of uh, success. You, you go in steps, you invest a little, get some confidence level. If the confidence level is, is good enough, you invest a little more to get to increase the confidence level. Right. Because you are betting on the future. The future, no matter how, sure you are about the future the future is never 100 percent predictable so you have to invest money to kind of clear the fog a little bit but it's still foggy uh, so but but to, to to clear the fog a little bit you need to spend some money and that's the the product planning part of any any business or the market research part of of 
start any business or start a new product in an existing business. You know, as you were talking, um, I was thinking about how, you know, right before we started taping and we were talking about uh, my adventure last year, um, being a, a part of a uh, presentation for one of my clients to uh, venture capitalists and angel investors in the tech space. And that, that um, you know, those couple days where we were doing that presenting, it was all with uh, Israeli owned businesses, um, you know, we're looking for partnership in the US. And when you said, um, you said that sometimes, you know, you want to build a product that's so great, uh, we'll figure out how to market it later. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the things that I saw coming out of that conference were just mind numbing. I mean, they, they were just amazing technologies. But I kept saying, you know, like, well, how are you going to market this? Who, you know, what, what's your strategy? And almost to a fault, uh, you know, to one, you know, people are like, well, I don't know. That's, you know, well, that's why we're here to get investors to start marketing. But I did, I spoke with one gentleman um, and we were talking about, uh, so he works with, he creates games, um, all these online games. And he said, you know, every time I, I release another game to the world, I say, I'm done with games. Like I'm yeah. not going to do another game. He goes, but we're so good at it. We're so good at it and we're so good at getting it in the hands of, of people who like to play those games. He goes, I get, you know, I, I come up with an idea and I'm like, next thing you know, I'm doing it and then I'm selling it. And they, and his company, uh, they were asking for the least amount of money of all of them because he's like, look, we just, you know, we know the process. We know how to get it out there all the time. And it was fascinating to me to, uh, to see that. And now that you've shared this story a little bit about, you know, that kind of concept, it makes me laugh to think of how many businesses, no matter what, where they are in the world think, well, I got a great idea. So it's such a great idea that people will just be at our door magically yeah, <laughs> once yeah. we release it to the world. And that mm -hmm. just doesn't happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the chapters in the book, speaking about great ideas, one of the chapters in the book is called better to be different than to be better. And, oh. and, and, and the idea there is, you, know, you, you can have the greatest product, greatest like in, in the technology, where it, it people in the technology industry makes this mistake a lot because they think, okay, the more technologically advanced my product is, the, the better it will sell because it's so great, right? Right. But then, you know, a year or two later, five other competitors coming with another great technology that compete well with your great technology. Yeah. So that the trick is to find a differentiator angle in the product that is not necessarily the technology. It could be the business model. It could be, I don't know, different, different angle that nobody thought about. I, I call it uh, um, orthogonal differentiation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Orthogonal, if you remember your uh, uh, geometry class, orthogonal is, you know, if yes. you have like X, Y, orthogonal is the Z angle. So if everybody right. competes on the X, Y plane, you, you have to create a, a Z vector that nobody thought about. And it could be very simple but something totally different that nobody thought about that will give your product uh, uh, basically, ideally, you know, invent a new ball game with new rules. So you create a situation where on this one Z 
feature in your product, nobody can compete because you, you are the only one. Yeah. So that's one in the product definition. And then when you launch a product, make this Z thing, the, the one thing that nobody can live without. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, so, so that's the trick of product uh, differentiation. There is a, a book or a theory called the blue ocean. They kind of follow the same thing, but mm -hmm. they're talking about multiple features that makes you different. It kind of take the same philosophy to multiple features. I f they're correct. I, I like the theory, but uh, I prefer to have one feature that totally differentiate you instead of, you know, five different features that you don't know where to focus your effort is you focus on this one Z feature and makes it the most important thing the market cannot live without. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, drive, drive, drive. And people, if, if you're not making up, it, it's always, you have to do it in a smart way that the, this Z features in it, it's something that people want, but emphasize it, enhance it to a point where people cannot refuse. You know, and I think that has to do with not even just products, but services also. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think about, you know, how many people do coaching and consulting or speaking. And I remember when I was first um, kind of es establishing myself as a speaker and people are like, well, what makes you different than any other leadership speaker? And at first I was like, well, I don't know. And then I was like, wait, I make it different. Not just my yeah. experience, but I, I am memorable. <laughs> I, you know, I encourage people to talk and, and engage. And, and mm -hmm. I can guarantee you when I go and speak on leadership or sales, nobody forgets me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that means that my messages will, will um, yeah. you know, will resound with people and they will, they will re uh, recall more things. Mm -hmm. And so when I became really comfortable with that, then I really, you know, my, not only did my confidence, uh, you know, boost with that, but my um, bookings, you know, booked uh, increased mm -hmm. because people said, oh, she does stand out differently and she looks different and she talks differently and she interacts differently. And I think that there's a lot of people, you know, she I just has a different somebody, name. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and then that means that it, it's going to stick. And yeah. I just was interviewing somebody for this series as well, who, who does, you know, coaching for people, but she, she focuses on coaching families to see mm -hmm. how families can, um, you know, basically make, make their businesses a family affair and teach children, you know, entrepreneurship and things. And I, after talking to her, I was like, that's just really brilliant because yeah. you're probably not doing it, you know, things much differently than a lot of other coaches, but you found that niche, your Z right, and you're exactly. driving that Z all the way out. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you may, you may lose some parts of the market, but the segment that really need your Z you know, you, you'll have 80% market share in, in that segment. Absolutely. Well, so tell us, you know, before we take a break, tell us a little bit more about your book. Like what, you know, what prompted you to write this book? And, you know, if people listening, you know, who, who would want to read this book? What, you know, who's going to say, oh my gosh, that's exactly the book I need to pick up right now. Okay. So, so we'll, we'll start with the second part of your question. The, the target audience for the book, uh, either first time CEOs, First time angel investors or venture capitalists and, and first time 
uh, executives in, in larger companies. Uh, when I say first time, is because I think after you are 20, 30 years into your career, in, in many cases, the book doesn't add anything if you, if you were in the right job. So, so the, let me back off a little bit. There are two types of careers. One, one, one path is people that specialize in, in one particular uh, specialty and they do it all their career and they become so good at it, especially in the technology you see in the technology space, you see people that they just excellent in, in this one thing they, they know how to do and they don't care about all the other other disciplines around them. So the book is not so much for these people. The book is more for people that manage a business, general management that needs to manage the marketing and the finance and the sales and the technology and, and HR and everything. So uh, the unique thing about the book or the Z thing about the book is it, it covers everything a CEO needs to know. Okay, So there is a chapter about each discipline. Mm. So basically, in, in one book, you, you save yourself from buying 20 books. Uh, very good. Uh, the difference is that the, the other 20 books are maybe going very deep in, in one discipline. My book is one chapter. There is so much you, you can cover in one chapter per discipline. So this is one unique thing. The other, I made it very, try to make it very industry agnostic. Mm, so okay. my examples are spoke about gaming there is gaming examples there is jewelry examples there is liquor examples there is aviation examples obviously technology from my own experience so uh, and the reason i did it uh, you, you you can learn from different industries okay you you no matter what industry you are you, you bump into a, a challenge that you never had before mm -hmm. But somebody in totally different industry had this the same challenge 15 years ago, and, and you can learn from how they addressed it. So, I, I every chapter has two or three examples. So I start every chapter with uh, kind of one or two pages of um, uh, uh, presenting the the topic, and then few real life examples from real life businesses. And the examples I have, like I cover over 25 industries, also very global because the same thing in, in different countries. Uh, we oh, talked yes. about your, your experience in different countries. There, there is different business cultures and, and different different challenges to the businesses. Oh, yes. So you can learn uh, from those examples as well. So the book is very diverse from both the industries and the, the globalization. Excellent. Well, that's, I, I'm glad we got to dive into it a little bit. We're going to take a quick break, Ari, and we're going to hear from our sponsor. Solopreneurs and small businesses often struggle to create effective digital marketing programs. It's hard to know where to start, what to prioritize, how to sift through confusing information and solutions that seem too good to be true. Agencies and full-time marketing employees are also expensive. And Marketing You is a modern marketing course with all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your business without that extra set of hands or high overhead costs. At And Marketing You, you will learn exactly what you need to do to execute a concrete marketing strategy by dedicating just two to four hours per week. 
And Marketing You will help you to execute strategy, messaging, content marketing, SEO, social media, paid digital advertising, and more. You'll have access to on-demand resources, live courses, group coaching sessions, community forums, and networking, plus the exact templates and tools you need for success. I took this course myself, and one of the greatest benefits we gained was learning to develop a competitive strategy that aligned our social media playbook and website to generate highly qualified leads. For all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your small business at a fraction of the cost of hiring a traditional agency or additional employee, go to www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. Again, that's www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. And use the code SHOCK to receive 10% off of any program. And we are back with Ari Brish. Uh, I, um, before I get into the, the question of the, uh, the series, I just want to ask one more question about your book because I love speaking with authors just to ask them this question. What made you decide you wanted to write a book? I never did. <laughs> so, okay then. <laughs> yeah, going back to your previous question. So uh, in the past several years, I, I, I volunteered as mentor in different, different you know, accelerators, incubators and, and schools. And what I realized with, with many young entrepreneurs and including myself, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you don't know what you don't know. So mm. you, you finish your school and uh, whatever your degree is, and, and then you start to work. And all the different disciplines to make it successful are totally foreign for you. So most young entrepreneurs, the, 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 from a 100,000 feet level, the, the the I wouldn't call it mistake. It's not a mistake. It's just uh, they don't know what they don't know. Right. So the, the purpose of the book is kind of open their eyes on everything they need to know. Okay. And and you can after you read the book, you find the chapter. Okay, I'm, my finance knowledge is so bad that I need <laughs> to buy a book in finance. Yes. Uh, uh, so maybe they'll buy, buy a book in finance, but. Uh, the, the, the intention of the book is to kind of present to them the, the big picture thing. Yes, and then allow them to see where they want to dive down deeper. Uh, right, right. And, and so that's what triggered. So I started to write notes after I had all these mentorship sessions. And, you know, slowly, slowly, I realized that the challenges repeat themselves. They're all kind of facing the same thing. And... and after I, I accumulated different notes and blogged on LinkedIn and what have you, you know, many months later, I realized I have so much material. Maybe if I'll put it together, it could make a book. Very good. So I love it. I put it. them together. <laughs> so it took, me, it took me maybe two years to write it, but only the last two or three months triggered the, the, the idea of maybe I should make it a book, <laughs> not just blog here and there. I love it. I've spoken to a lot of people that that's how they created uh, their their first book or business book, especially. So Ari, this month, the whole theme of the month is talking about the magic of marketing, 
because I say, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had some magical uh, marketing pixie dust and we could sprinkle it on our businesses and they would automatically generate leads and customers who will throw money at us. It would be wonderful, but that doesn't happen. So instead, I've asked each of my guests to share a couple top tips for how people can really enhance or make better use of their marketing. So what are your thoughts on the subject? So we started to touch on it before. Uh, number one, marketing starts when you start to define the product. Mm -hmm. It's really important. People today perceive marketing as uh, search engine, engine optimization and, and lead generation. That, that's kind of maybe on, on when you have a mature product that already is selling, doing well, and you're trying to improve the growth rate from, you know, 9% to 2%, that's maybe good. But when you start from scratch, the market doesn't exist. The product, the, the, the best new product is one that creates a market. Okay, so you, you, are, you are a monopoly, at least for the first few years. If, if, you, if you go back to 1980s, were you born then? Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, Chrysler came up with a minivan. Okay? Mm -hmm. Today oh, yes. you cannot, you cannot even envision a, a suburban family without at least one minivan or one SUV. Right? That's like a must-have. Yes. Back in the 80s, Chrysler was the first one. They did awesomely well for a few years because yeah. they were the only one with a minivan for several years. Yes. Then the market. The market started to decline when new competitors started to come in, but the automotive market is so slow moving that they were a monopoly in the minivan market segment for several years. Yes, it was Chrysler minivan. That was yeah, the exactly. That was, was the that was the Xerox synonym. of it. Exactly, it was a, almost a synonym. So the, yeah. my book has a chapter about the chapter about the story of, of the Chrysler minivan story uh, as a. As a success example but also there is kind of a warning in the story one of the things i'm deviating from your marketing question but we'll go back to that uh, uh, one of the things the book by the way cover uh, startups and, and large companies innovation in large companies one of the things that slow large companies there are two Two things slow innovation from in large companies. One is they, they try to study to death. Mm, yes. So somebody, one of the employees have a great idea and then his management will send him, go and study, go and do, 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 do. And, and it takes a year or two before they even execute. Yes. The Chrysler minivan, it was almost seven years because the management, somebody had this idea and the management didn't like it because it was so out of the box. Wow. So imagine if Chrysler came up with a minivan in the 1970 instead of 1980. So, oh, yeah. So that's one slow factor in large companies. The other one that goes back to the um, marketing question, the other one is fear of cannibalism. In many cases, mm -hmm. a new product cannibalize an old older generation product if, if you're in the same a large company with the same product line just new 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 generations of the same product right 
So uh, in many cases, I've seen it a million times, the management of the older product will fight against the new idea just because it will take away the, some of their business. Yes. Uh, so part of the marketing job is to balance between, you know, uh, the, the good, mature, profit-generating products and the introduction of new products in, in a controlled way that 10 years from now, you, the new product will become the next good, mature, making profit product. So that, that's it's kind of a balancing game that part of the marketing job is to control the phase out of the older generation yeah. while uh, aggressively uh, promoting the new generation. And that takes back to the Z factor we talked about, uh, create a differentiator in the new product that will set you apart uh, totally from competition. Uh, uh, Domino's Pizza is one example. Domino's Pizza did not compete on having a the best pizza. pizza. <laughs> right. They compete on, on having the best service and bring it to your house. If you remember the days where yes. you get a pizza for free if they don't show up within 30, 30 minutes. minutes. Or less. Exactly. So it wasn't about a better pizza. It was about getting the pizza to your place in less than 30 minutes. Yes. That's, that was their Z, Z angle mm -hmm. in, in the strategy. So once again, I mean, find out that Z in your product. And I've done it many times in million products. I was involved in hundreds of new products, uh, both in my corporate career, as well as uh, my consulting life in, in the past 10, 15 years. And it was always about finding the Z factor and pushing on that Z factor as this is the main thing that drives us and, and, and helps us differentiate and, and find the customers that this Z factor is important to them. Yes. Maybe I don't care if my pizza will come, you know, three hours later. So I, I'm not a customer, but I am the one that I want a pizza now. <laughs> so better bring it to me in like no time. <laughs> That um, and it'll be interesting. You'll have to uh, um, you'll have to listen to another of our guests from this month, uh, Ethan uh, Decker, whose uh, whose episode aired on March 9th. Um, he talks. He actually worked for um, uh, for Domino's when uh, I don't know if you remember the commercial where they would Domino's would say that if they were trying to change to get people to start to do more pickup instead of delivery of pizza. Okay. And then they were saying, because they wanted, you know, because a certain amount of people wanted to control the process and they'd already worked on making better pizzas. So they did that. They made better pizza. Now they wanted people to pick them up more. And uh, so that when they would come in and pave the potholes in your city and it's, it's a great story. So we'll have to make okay, sure to I listen to that. I'm, by the way, I'm starting to teach marketing this semester in a university here, some Edwards University. And the Domino Pizza, the change from delivery to pickup is one of my case studies. So oh, I'll, excellent. All right, we'll make sure I'll, to I'll tag you to in this. that. I'll listen to Ethan, see his uh, angle. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, Ari, we, you and I could actually talk for hours yeah. and hours and yeah. hours. Um, yes. <laughs> but we'll have to wrap it up here soon. But I, And I know we'll have all your contact information in our show notes, including links to your book. 
But in case somebody wants to look you up right now and find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, LinkedIn is probably the, the best way and the most uh, uh, up to date. So just look me up on LinkedIn. There is only the, the good thing about me is speaking about the Z factor, my Z factor, there is only one Aria Bridge in the world. <laughs> if you type my name, I'm the only one that will come up with that name. Excellent. And you have a very nice LinkedIn following. So yes, it's, it's working yeah, out well, yeah, your Z factor. Yeah. And I, I know we're going to use that as the title of your show. So yeah. before we go, Ari, do you have any uh, last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? It, it just the Z factor is one, one very important thing for, for, since your focus is the marketing. The other thing we didn't go, get to talk about and the book covers is uh, since you, you, your audience is uh, sales and sales people, selling a new product is different than selling a mature product. Mm. And the book talks about what's the difference, what kind of incentive plans and compensation plans you need for new product salespeople versus mature product salespeople. So that's kind of another whole topic, a whole chapter in the book that for your audience may be relevant. So absolutely true. Absolutely true. And actually, as you were talking, one last thought is I, I was thinking about how, you know, when the Chrysler minivan became that, you know, legacy product by then, they were probably fighting as the SUVs came into the market. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This was fascinating. And I am really glad we're connected. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.